بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمد کریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا ٹوینٹی سیونتھ آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ an eminent life of the illustrious companion, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu. And I spent the session last night mentioning or taking a glimpse into the station of his illustrious full brother, Sayyidina Bara ibn al-Malik radiyallahu. And the last thing I mentioned was due to his incredible bravery, Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu, he would warn Bara ibn Malik should not be appointed as the commander of an expedition for this would spell destruction. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, Qanzal Umad, volume 5, page 144, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 299 of the New English Translation, meaning he doesn't care for his own life. He would thus lead others to places where the risk would be too much for them. So, I mentioned He was famously uh, mentioned during the famous battle of Yamama i.e. against Musaylam and the Lion. But then the campaigns continued into the Persian lands. In Tabarani, Al-Isaba, volume 1, page 143, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 9, page 235, states Hassan, Ayad Al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 2123 of the New English Translation. The nephew of Anas, Ishaq ibn Abdullah ibn Abu Talha rahmatullah alayhi said Sayyidina Anas and his brother Aybara were at an enemy fortress in Harik a place in Iraq the unbelievers were throwing hooks fixed to heated chains and when it caught hold of someone they would pull him up to them in the fortress so stop in the report so It's a siege formation. And the Persians, one of their defenses was they would make red hot iron and drop it. And it would be like metal going into butt. As soon as you touch the skin, it goes straight through it. And literally, they would be then pulling these people up, torturing them to death. They managed to get hold of Anas in this manner, and started pulling him up. However, Bara radiyallahu advanced, he observed the wall and he grabbed the chain. He then kept holding on to the burning hot chain until the rope finally gave way. When he then looked at his hand, the bone was visible because all the flesh on it had burnt away. In this way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Anas ibn Malik. So again, we don't need to go into any great detail, but the campaign is at its critical point and Anas is caught. So again, just imagine where he's caught, how he's being pulled up. And this also shows he was uh, fighting bravely in the ranks, I say, than Anas. But Bara obviously <coughs> wanted to save his brother. And the only way he could was to grab the chain. But obviously grabbing the red hot chain meant 
he's going to probably lose his hand. And when he grabbed the chain, when he looked at his hand, it was just bone. <laughs> but, alhamdulillah, he saved his brother. Anas was saved, <laughs> Adding details. The hooks caught Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu and the unbelievers started pulling him until he was lifted from the ground. Bara came running, jumped onto the wall and grabbed the chain as it kept turning. He then kept tugging the chain from the unbelievers with his hands, now visibly burning until the rope finally gave way. This is in Tabrani. Al-Hirtami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 9, page 235, states Hassan, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 213 of the New English translation. So here the detail adds, his hand was burning. So obviously you can't even imagine it, but the skin being lacerated, you can picture that, where his hand was physically burning until it gave way. Indeed, it was during the glorious reign of Umar, radiyallahu, in the fierce battle of Tusta that Sayyidina Bara radiyallahu was finally blessed with martyrdom. So obviously, if you look at Bara radiyallahu, you get the impression he wanted to go. And obviously that was his objective. But it was in the battle of Tustar, he was blessed with martyrdom. So what caused it? In a Hakim in his Mustadrak, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 260 of the New English Translation, it mentions, when the Muslims retreated during the Battle of Aqaba in Persia, Sayyidina Al-Bara ibn Malik radiallahu stood up. He mounted his horse as another person guided it from behind. He then said to his companions, Terrible is the habit you people have now made the enemy accustomed to. I by repeatedly being overcome and retreating. He then led the attack against the enemy. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave victory to the Muslims. It was on that day that Sayyidina Bara was martyred. <laughs> so this is one report. So what does it mention? He saw that the Muslims were basically retreating. And he wasn't happy. And he says, you are, you are giving the enemies courage. Because this is a bad habit. And then he set the standard. He leapt into the fray. And Alhamdulillah, they were given victory. But he gave his life on that day. So what are the details? In Tirmidhi, Abu Nu'im, Kanzal Omal, Volume 7, page 11. Al-Isaba, Volume 1, page 144. Hayat al-Sahaba, Volume 2, page 217 of the New English Translation. Anas, he said, Radiyallah, on the occasion of the Battle of Tustar, the people requested him due to their inability to break through the Persian ranks. O Bara, give oath to your Lord. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thus Bara assessed the situation and he supplicated. O my Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, make us masters of the enemy's shoulders in battle and cause me to meet your beloved Prophet this very day. <laughs> he was martyred during the battle. Subhanallah. So this adds the vital detail. What did the believers ask him? He goes, take an oath. So what does that mean, take an oath? What did I mention yesterday? Allah will fulfill his oath. Meaning when he takes an oath, Allah fulfills it. So what they were really asking, they were saying, use it. Use the gift. 
But what's interesting is he didn't immediately make the dua. He assessed. <laughs> and he realized, because this is a critical moment. So now he made the dua. <laughs> but he added something. <laughs> he goes, make me meet your beloved today. Meaning, I wasn't going to ask. They have asked me to ask. <laughs> and alhamdulillah, he was martyred. So think about this. Victory was given. The dua was answered. What was the second part of the dua? <laughs> But did he meet the Prophet? <laughs> yes, right? So think about that. Because he, he wanted to meet, he goes, it's time to go. <laughs> it appears that this was not the first time during that encounter that they requested Barat to take an oath. <laughs> in Hakim in his Mustadrak, number 5325, or volume 3, page 292, Sahih, Zahabi, Sahih, Abu Nu'im al Hilya, volume 1, page 7, Hayat al volume 2, page 218 of the New English Translation. Anas relates, radiyallahu, thereafter the Muslims clashed with an enemy at the bridge of the town of Sus, where the polytheists again inflicted heavy casualties on the Muslims. Again the Muslims called Bara to make a vow to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Assessing the situation, Al-Bara supplicated, radiyallahu, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I now make a vow in your name that you should give us the shoulders of the enemies in our hands and allow me to meet with your Prophet. The Muslims were given victory and Al-Bara was martyred. So what is the key point? It says, again the Muslims called. So this indicates he wasn't making the oath. He wasn't going to use it. But what's interesting, it mentions a clash and it was at a bridge of the town of Sus. So bridges is where the battle is intensified because it's, it's, it's a bottleneck. And the unbelievers inflicted heavy casualties, meaning they had the clear edge. They asked him. Now he made it. He made that dua. Thus this majestic man's wish was finally fulfilled. What was his wish? Hazrat Anas radiyallahu he relates. I once came to my brother Al-Bara ibn al-Malik whilst he was singing something to himself. I thereupon said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you something, i.e. the Qur'an, that is better than the poems you now sing. He replied, Oh my brother, do you fear that I shall die on my bed? Never. I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he will never deprive me of martyrdom. I have already killed 100 unbelievers. Apart from those whom I killed with the help of others. So this is recorded in a Hakim in his Mustadrak, volume 3, page 291, Sahih, Bahawi, Al-Isaba, volume 1, page 143, Abu Nu'im Al-Hilya, volume 1, page 350, Al-Hatami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 9, page 324, states Sahih, Hayat Al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 260 of the New English Translation. So now, what's interesting, he's singing to himself. So now we don't know what he was singing about, but it appears he was singing for martyrdom. <laughs> so Anas, he didn't want him to make that dua <laughs> or to sing about the wife. He wanted him to live with him. So he said to him, Allah has given you something better. Quran is what you're singing for. <laughs> and what did he say? And he saw straight through his words. He goes, do you think I'm going to die on my bed? <laughs> is that what you want? He goes, never. <laughs> He goes, Allah will never deprive me. I swear by God. And he goes, I've already killed a hundred unbelievers. 
And because only Allah Ta'ala knows who, how many more I've killed with the help of others. Because why do you think I'm killing them for? For name and fame. Because I want to get martyred. So what was his wish? He wanted to leave the world as a martyr. So now that was the encounter he was martyred. In that encounter, Anas was also fighting. But he was in another part of the battlefield. Sayyidina Anas radiallahu due to the ferocity of the engagement with the enemies, he was oblivious as to what had happened to his noble brother. Then later amidst the Muslims rejoicing and praising Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he suddenly noticed that his venerable brother was missing. <laughs> Look how strange everybody celebrated and he's noticing, where's my brother? <laughs> Hazrat Anas radiallahu then in a frantic search started looking for the body of his blessed brother. In Abu Na'im al-Hiliyah, number 979, Muhammad ibn Sidi relates the touching scene. Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu found his brother Al-Bara passing away after the battle. When Anas radiyallahu saw him laid on his back, sighing in his wounds, now short of breath, in a fit of emotion he burst into tears. And he said, Oh my dear brother. Sayyidina Al-Bara radiyallahu then looked tenderly towards his brother and he smiled. And said to him, to make him recall the words he said years earlier. He goes, oh brother, can you imagine me dying on my bed? Now that I have eliminated 100 ruthless dissenters in hand-to-hand combat. Besides those, I help other warring believers to terminate. <laughs> Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu then hooked his brother and embraced him for the last time. The noble brother who passed away in the arms of the magnificent servant of our beloved messenger. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with the majestic mujahid and martyr, Sayyidina Bara ibn al-Marik, and forgive us all for his honorable sake. Amen. So Allah ta'ala honored his oath. He was blessed with martyrdom. And also he honored Anas. Anas wanted to have the last meeting. So he lived to see his brother. Oh, look how touching. He just reminded him of that point. He goes, he goes, do you think I'm going to die on my bed? <laughs> so he said it when he was healthy and he said it when he was leaving the world. So Anas saw his brother pass away. How old was Anas at the time? Anas was in his uh, early, late 20s or early 30s. So what's happening in the Persian campaign is very interesting. He's losing his brothers. I mentioned a few sessions back, he lost his other brother. Abdullah ibn Abu Talha in the Persian campaigns. What did Anas say? He goes, there was nobody better than him amongst the youth. He was martyred in these campaigns, in the Persian campaigns. So he lost his brother. He's lost his full brother, Bara ibn Malik, in the Persian campaigns. And not forgetting, he himself wanted to get martyred. He wasn't just like making numbers up. You can see that he was there in the thick and fray of things, wanting to get martyred. But how touching his brother saved him. He lived and Anas saw his brother get martyred before him. At that point, you're thinking Anas is going to go. But Allah is the one who decides the timing of a person to leave the world. So note, Bara ibn Malik. So again, look at these illustrious personalities who were around Anas. They were molding him. And of course, this is leaving aside the greatest of creation. So, Bara ibn al-Malik was a mujahid and he also sang, there was another companion called Anjasa, 
and he was once traveling with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he had a beautiful voice and the mothers of the believers and Umm Sulaim, Anas's mother were in the back and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, O Anjasa, be careful of the fragile vessels. This is in Sayyid Bukhari. So what's interesting here is there were companions with very, very moving voices. The Prophet could have said, be careful, they are blessed women. They get affected by a pleasant voice. But how did the Prophet describe the, his noble mothers? Fragile vessels. And who else was amongst them? Anas's mother, Umm Sulaim. The Prophet said, be aware of the fragile vessels, meaning they get affected by the voice. So what's interesting, Bara also had that voice as well. So they were mujahids, ferocious in the battlefield, but also they had beautiful you know, beautiful voices, kirats as they say. And they used it to encourage themselves to fight bravely. And you notice a lot of the poetry was said on the battlefield in the time of the companions of the Prophet The reason I say that is because poetry now is, sadly people think of effeminate people. It's not, it's not a manly thing. You know, if you're more effeminate, you, you start doing poetry. That's not true. Poetry was done by the best. But, of course, you have to put it in perspective as they say. Subhanallah. Another one of his great family members, his maternal uncle, Sayyidina Haram ibn Milhan. So who is Haram ibn Milhan? There is one other magnificent brother of Sayyida Umm Sulaim, Sayyidina Haram ibn Milhan, who was treacherously martyred a year or so after the famous Battle of Uhud, during the fateful expedition to Bir Ma'una, in which he, together with 69 other blessed companions, were treacherously martyred by the unbelievers. So, who are we now discussing? We're talking about his maternal uncle, his mother's brother. So, his mother was Romaisa bint Milhan, or Al Romaisa bint Milhan. Haram was the brother, right? So he, I'm summarizing the report, but some people asked, requested the Prophet to send some teachers so they could learn about Islam. And the Prophet ﷺ, he sent 70 companions. Most of them, if not all, were from the Ashab al-Suf. And one of them was Haram ibn Milhan. And, a'udhu billah, treacherously, they were killed. All of them. And this is only a year after Uhud. So why is that important to highlight? Because if you look at the Sirat, Sahaba were leaving the stage. <coughs> In the battle of Uhud, 70 companions were martyred. <coughs> and think about that. So that's a battle. You think that was a huge loss. 70 companions were martyred in the battle of Uhud. And yet, this wasn't a battle. They were sent to teach, but they were treacherously killed. And it was again 70. <coughs> So imagine in the blessed city of the Prophet within a year or less than a year, a hundred and forty nobles had been martyred. You know, we don't even think about that. We just think, oh, mashallah, they got martyred, they got martyred. But just imagine the impact in the holy city. When, one, when we lose one person who is near and dear to us, what impact does that have? If somebody goes, you've lost two. If somebody goes, within a month, you've lost twenty. So notice the test Allah was putting upon the believers at the time, 140. So to mention the report, <coughs> in Sayyid Bukhari, 
Sahih Muslim Riyadh Salihin number 1316. Anas radiyallahu relates. Some people came to the Prophet and they said to him, Send with us some men who may teach us the Quran and the Sunnah. The Prophet then sent 70 men from the Ansar. They were called Al Qurra, the reciters. And amongst them was my maternal uncle, Haram ibn Milhan. So, who did the Prophet send? 70 reciters. We say Qaris. Not the Qaris like now, right? The living, walking Qurans. 70 of them. Because amongst them was my uncle. They used to recite the Quran, ponder over its meaning, and learn its wisdom at night. In the day, they used to bring water and pour it in pitchers in the masjid. Then they would collect wood and sell it. And with the sale proceeds, they would buy food for the people of As-Suffa and the needy. So look at the glimpse Anas gave you. He goes, you want to know who these people are? He goes, I'll tell you. He goes, they used to recite the Quran, ponder over the meaning, learn its wisdom at night. You compare yourself to that, you think, I don't even read the Quran. <laughs> no, bother about learning what Allah Ta'ala wants us to do. <laughs> right? So he goes, recite, ponder, learn the wisdom at night. <laughs> then he mentioned the, how they would like help each other. In the day, they would bring water, pour it in pitches in the masjid, meaning making it easy for the worshippers. <laughs> they would collect wood and sell it, i.e. to earn a living. And with the earning, they would buy food for the people of Safa. These were the 70. The Prophet sent the reciters with these people, but they later treacherously fell upon them and killed them before they reached their destination. Whilst assaulted, they made the following dua. Allahumma ballig anna nabiyyana anna qad laqinaka faradina anka waradita anna. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, convey from us the news to our Prophet that we have met you and you are pleased with us. So think about that. They all got martyred. What the word did they make? They were thinking about the Prophet They goes, convey from us that we've met you, O Lord, and you are pleased with us. A man thereupon attacked Haram from the back and smote him with a spear which pierced him in two upon which he said Fustu wa Rabbil Kaaba I am successful by the Lord of the Kaaba Rasulullah later said to his companions your brothers have been slain and they were saying that convey O Lord to us the news to our Prophet that we have met you and you are pleased with us Subhanallah so where is it recorded? Bukhari and Muslim. So this isn't the this is a summarized narrative from Anas. There's a lot of details to what happened, but he gave you the gist. So now what's interesting? Haram was martyred. The spear went straight through his back. Straight through. Now think about this. <laughs> if you were the one spearing somebody, you speared somebody straight through his back. Who's victorious? <laughs> you. <laughs> Look what he said. Fustu wa Rabbil Kaaba. I am successful by the Lord of the Kaaba. This messed that man up. I'll come to that in a bit. That man got messed up by it. He goes, How is he successful? 
And then what happened? Rasulullah was told, and he goes, they, they, they were thinking of me. It is related about these noble souls. 70 companions who were amongst the best of Muslims. This is in Tabaran, Ibn Ishaq, Al-Bidaya 4-73, Al-Haytami in Majma' Az-Zawaid 6-129 states Sahih. Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 240 of the New English Translation. So, what does the hadith mention? They were amongst the best of the companions. That person who actually martyred Haram ibn Milhan, he became Sahab. <laughs> he actually didn't know what was going on. He thought, I don't get it. Because I killed him and he's saying I'm, I'm successful. And that's what an unbeliever always thinks. You know, when he sees, well, these people, these Muslims are brainwashed. And then what happened? He learned about the deen and he goes, I want to become Muslim. Now, why is that fascinating? Because the Prophet said, Allah Ta'ala laughs at two men. The one who is killed and the one who kills. That's a hadith. Authentic hadith. So, what does it mean? The Prophet explained, he goes, because the one who killed, he's martyred. The one who kills, he becomes Muslim. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala laughs. Why? Because he knows that he's going to become Muslim. So, look how strange. When he was speared, Haram was speared in the back, Allah Ta'ala was laughing, <laughs> saying, well, he's going to become Muslim. Just like when Wahsi threw the spear at Hamza, Allah Ta'ala was laughing. So this is a great honor. And think about it. They will meet each other in paradise. Look how strange. When Hamza meets Wahsi in paradise, you know, imagine asking the one who, how did you uh, manage to target me? <laughs> imagine the questions they're asking. And he's thinking, Allah, right? And, go, and, you know, imagine this man asking uh, Haram, asking this man, how, what happened? How did you... <laughs> You know, it becomes strange. And maybe that's the reason for Allah Ta'ala's laughter. So amongst the 70, who else can I mention? There was Amr ibn Fuhayda. Anybody know who he is? Amr ibn Fuhayda. He was the one who went on the hijrah with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Remember Abu Bakr was with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he had a freed slave. That was Ahmad ibn Fahira. So he had the honor of being with the Prophet on the Hijrah. He was a Badri. He was one of the 70 who was martyred. So look how strange Abu Bakr was thinking, even my freed slaves are better than me. They have gone to paradise before us. Right? So notice all these were human, you know, great human beings of the highest rank. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with all of them and forgive us all for their honorable sake. Amen. So in conclusion, Subhanallah, what noble personalities from the august household of Anas. Sayyida Malika, Sayyida Um Sulaim, and Sayyida Um Haram, the noble grandmother, the noble mother and of Anas, and aunt of our beloved messenger, the noble half-brothers of Anas, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abu Talha, and Sayyidina Abu Umar, the dear servants of our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Then we have Anas ibn al-Nadr, Haram and Bara ibn Malik, the venerable uncles and full brother of Anas, all graciously enlisted amongst the list of noble martyrs. Subhanallah, what a truly <coughs> blessed household. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with each and every one of them and forgive us all for their honorable sake. Amin. So why have I spent a bit of time on this? Because you have to give credit where credit is due. Anas radiallahu didn't just come out of a vacuum. 
people say, you know, how lucky he was, how fortunate he was. He just did vacuum again. Magic one popped out. He was surrounded by giants. He was seeing his brothers fall on battle. Others were all among the highest rank. He heard about his mother, footsteps in paradise, the Prophet mentioned, sallallahu alayhi wa He saw his uncles being martyred. He saw his cousin, who was a martyr of Badr. <laughs> right? Um, Haditha ibn Suraka. His poopy, the, his uncle would take an oath, Allah would answer it. His brother would take an oath, Allah would answer it. So not endless honors given to the great family of Sayyidina Anas. And why should we not find that surprising? Because they were the family of the Prophet. <laughs> Allah honors the family of the Prophet above others. So all I mentioned today was basically uh, completing the short, very short brief on the great Bara ibn Malik. He ended his life, giving his life for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then I mentioned a brief on his maternal uncle, <coughs> Sayyidina Haram ibn Malhan, who was also blessed with martyrdom but in the lifetime of the Prophet sallallahu Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi, subhanallah Allahumma bihamdika, ashtu Allah ilaha illa anta astaghfirika, atubu alayka, wa billahi minash shaitanim, subhanahu rabbika, rabbil izzati, amma yisifun, assalamu alayhi wa sallam, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, bismillahi rahmanir rahim, wal asr, in insan lafi khusr, ladhina amunu wa amilu salihat, wa rawasibil haq, wa rawasibil sabr, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.